0: So today is Sunday the 29th of March 2020, um, and it sees us in the 7th day of the UK's lockdown. Um, I'd imagine everyone knows that there is a a virulent and novel or new virus known as uh, COVID-19. And uh, this has meant that most people have been confined to their homes, um, with a few exceptions made for necessary workers uh, and uh, once a day exercise. Personally, while uh, I continue to have to work at the airport, um, which is strange when uh, there seems to be very few flights and very little traffic and activity, Um, and my wife is now uh, not just carer and feeder and uh, um, inspirer of the kids, uh, but she's got to look after their schooling as well. And so three kids 24-7, it's no mean feat. Uh, Last week, our Fellowship, Enham Church Bubish, was asked to close down our public meetings. Um, so we we stopped meeting in the, uh, the Barn Church. And uh, this week we haven't even physically seen each other. So the rest of our congregation is uh, in our own isolated pockets in our homes. If you go out onto the streets, things are also a little surreal. Um, in the streets and the shops, we're asked to keep meters apart. Um, I got told off the other day for infringing behind some bit of tape on the floor Um, and many of the usual interactions and relationships um, that we were used to, that we've grown accustomed to, that maybe we even took for granted, they've ceased to be the normal way of living. If you go onto social media, it's a mixed bag as always, there's everything from passive aggressive notes to others about civil responsibility and about observing all the rules to um, sort of uh, wild celebrations of the uh, NHS who are heroically stepping forward and and dealing uh, with the impact of the virus on our country. Make no mistake, these are incredibly disconcerting times. Everything has changed um, and as followers of Jesus, we need to properly process our reactions and our solutions. We don't just follow what everyone else is doing. We have to examine our motives. We have to examine um, our behavior and the direction of travel we are taking and see if these things are things that the spirit is happy with, that concord with scripture, that are good for us and those around us. And and as I've prayed and meditated on these developments and looked at the effects it's having and and heard different testimonies, I just wanted to spend a few moments drawing out a few comments that scripture has on our predicament. Scripture doesn't tell of the COVID-19 virus, but it has moments um, that we can use to inspire how we uh, live today. Okay, so one of the first biblical moments that came to mind for me uh, was with regard to the prophet Jeremiah. He's not often someone that many people sort of are naturally drawn to but um, I find his circumstances uh, incredibly uh, engaging and and he he was actually uh, the subject of the first sermon I ever preached however many decades ago. Um, So this this guy from the Old Testament, he lived uh, in incredibly tumultuous times, you know, things were changing rapidly and and the god's people had a lot to take on and sort of work out what they thought god was saying through that um he saw uh, the last faithful king of judah die, josiah he was a good guy but he sort of passed away and and then uh rulers came that made some terrible decisions uh there was the uh, assyrian empire that had been dominant for so long that was fading and the Babylonian Empire suddenly emerged as a, a, a new dominant factor in the region. And, and they were uh, sort of feeling the breath of the Babylonians on the back of their necks. And uh, they would send many of uh, the God's people into exile. And, and most famously, uh, we know of uh, uh, Daniel. Um, but more more than this, possibly more than these sort of world affairs, they would see... Jerusalem this place where they thought perhaps God's kingdom would come it was overrun with infidels and unbelievers and and people that called on other gods and the very temple of Yahweh this longed for building that had finally been erected by Solomon planned by David it was uh, destroyed by this new uh, force and questions were arising and and Uh, different interpretations were running wild and as people tried to deal with these changes uh, Jeremiah was called um, I'm not sure he'd volunteer but he was called to announce God's verdict on Judah Um, and his words uh, were really badly received Um, it says this in the message translation in Jeremiah 38 Officials told the king please kill Jeremiah he's got to go he's ruining the resolve of the soldiers who are still left in the city as well as the people themselves by spreading these words. This man isn't looking after the good of his people he's trying to ruin us. King Zedekiah caved in if you say so go ahead handle it your way you're too much for me. So these guys they took Jeremiah and they threw him into the system of Malkijah, the king's son, that was in the courtyard of the palace garden. They lowered him down with ropes. There wasn't any water in the cistern, only mud. Jeremiah sunk into the mud. As as Judah's enemies bear down on God's people, Jeremiah is identified as a traitor because he is saying, this is God's will, don't uh, resist. Don't try and plot against uh, God's international purposes. And and so he's identified as a traitor and he's thrown into this hole in a rock and it would have had a, a wide base and a narrow entrance. So uh, escape on your own was impossible. And, and there he was left. And... While in the book of Jeremiah itself, we're told very little else of this moment in the cistern. We find the prophet seems to have uh, uh, left us allusions to this state um, in his own thoughts and prayers um, in the book of Lamentation. And it says this in Lamentations chapter three. I'm the man who has seen trouble, trouble coming from the lash of God's anger. He took me by the hand and walked me into pitch black darkness. He turned me into a scarecrow of skin and bones, then broke the bones and he hemmed me in and ganged up on me, poured on the trouble and the hard times. He locked me up in deep darkness, like a corpse nailed inside a coffin. He ground my face into the gravel. He pounded me into the mud. I gave up on life altogether. I've forgotten what the good life is. I said to myself, that is it, I am finished. God is a lost course and you can really hear, can't you, uh, Jeremiah's brokenness in that place, his despair, his wondering what on earth is happening and so he finds himself in this perfect confinement. There's no way of getting out. There's rock all around him and no way of climbing out. And so unlike some believers today, he doesn't try to pretend that he's living in victory, He doesn't claim the ground for God. Um, and he also he doesn't understand that God's will has been frustrated, that he is somehow God's anointed, and that kind of God has been um, overridden or undercut or, or somehow um, bypassed. Jeremiah calls his pain as he sees it, even to the point where he seems to despair. And then even there, he rightly perceives that God is still sovereign, that God is in charge, that ultimately he doesn't rail against his enemies, but he talks to God because God is the one that presides in heaven. And so our situation, maybe in isolation today, It's no Jeremiah, sister, we're not sinking into the mud, but it can sometimes feel bleak. Uh, But it is a biblical to call out to God and to name our discomfort and even our pain and and just say, I am not enjoying this. This is not what I want. Uh, Other people can believe in random accidents or unaccountable evil or uh, a God who is not in control but we believe differently we're allowed even in darkness to look for purpose even in places where we don't want to be to recognize that our Heavenly Father presides over everything from his throne above and so ultimately we have cause not to slur the government or cursed disease we have reason to come on our knees before our heavenly father like jeremiah and say what is going on now listen to jeremiah as he moves on in his reflections you know he's he's advancing beyond that um it says this in lamentations three enemies with no reason to be enemies hunted me down like a bird they threw me into a pit and pelted me with stones and the rains came and filled the pit The water rose over my head and I said, it's all over. I called out your name, oh God, called from the bottom of the pit. You listened when I called out. Don't shut your ears. Get me out of here. Save me. You came close when I called out. You said, it's going to be all right. You took my side, master. You brought me back alive. In the light of the earlier statements, this makes greater reading, doesn't it? When, when we uh, remember how low Jeremiah got in his spirit, suddenly taking these words of uh, Master, you brought me back alive, it, it elevates this to a, 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 an even uh, fresher breath of air. Now... We know that not only were circumstances bad, but the prophet's own mindset was a mess, don't we, from the uh, earlier bit in Lamentations. And so often believers want great testimonies and examples of God's grace and evidence of his providence. But we don't understand that great stories have lows as well as highs. It's not victory after victory. There has to be a battle. There has to be a time of testing. There has to be a moment where our faith comes into play. And in the darkness and the mud of our cisterns, we need to find divine reassurance. Because when it comes, we'll be reassured and it will help ourselves and others in similar circumstances. And so we find Jeremiah claiming in this system that God will bring resurrection God will bring life from death and and just in case you're wondering what happens to Jeremiah um, it goes on Ebed Melek the Ethiopian a core official assigned to the royal palace heard that they had thrown Jeremiah into the cistern while the king was holding court in the Benjamin gate Ebed-Melech went immediately from the palace to the king and said, My master, O oh king, these men are committing a great crime in what they're doing, throwing Jeremiah the prophet into the cistern and leaving him there to starve. He's as good as dead. There isn't a scrap of bread left in the city. So the king ordered Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, get free men and pull Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. Ebed-Melech got free men and went to the palace wardrobe and got some scraps of old clothing. And he tied them together and lowered down them with ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Ebed Melech the Ethiopian called down to Jeremiah, Put these scraps of old clothing under your armpits and around the ropes. Jeremiah did what he said, and so they po- pulled Jeremiah up out of the cistern by the ropes. Jeremiah is saved, but he is not saved by a miracle. He is not saved by one of his own countrymen he is not exonerated by the king he is saved by a foreigner who petitions his own people he is saved by an Ethiopian i love the fact in this text that we're treated to the nuts and bolts of this salvation the details are exquisite this comment about old rags and armpits and the picture of Jeremiah from the literature of him sort of being pulled up slowly by three guys. It makes it very real and visceral. It's, it's very hard to believe this is a, a fairy tale when such details are included. Friends, if we find ourselves in grim places, it is honest to call a spade a spade. And declare our discontent to God. To fall on our knees and say, this is not good for me. This is not what I want. This, this seems to end badly. And as we wait on him, we will receive an answer. He's already answered us in many ways and we can look for him replying and him giving direction for our prayers and hopes. We may feel we are abandoned, but we are not. Make no mistake that God is in the business of rescue. That's what he does. That is full um, in the Bible of what he does. It doesn't always look like what we expect though. Sometimes our rescue, indeed often, our rescue is not how we imagined it, but nevertheless, our rescue is assured. And as we confront the daily living conditions of living with COVID-19, we need to find reassurance in Jeremiah's time in the cistern. Ours is the same God, and his power is more than we can imagine. And we may not be sinking in the mud, But sometimes we can be uh, uh, feeling like we're going to get submerged. We may find and feel that these are bleak times. And God would bring maybe an Ethiopian offering redemption. Offering a way of coping. And I think this Ethiopian is an invitation to embrace god's messenger whatever he looks like it's interesting our ethiopian may in the 21st century be medical treatment you know we'd love god to move uh miraculously and 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 suddenly take our condition that seems to be hopeless and and change it but maybe it's the nhs or maybe our next door neighbor that we've never got on with or a atheist online that uh, we found troublesome and maybe it isn't a brother or sister in Christ that brings us solace and so look out for these moments where God's plan for us is not what we think but it is good and it is to our benefit. As Jeremiah talks about darkness and rescue I really hope All our hearts and minds are straining at the leash to think of Jesus. You know, uh, we're happy with the Ethiopian um, and perhaps more open to his uh, appearance. But we think of Jesus and say, come on, bring him in. I wonder if you've been enjoying our He Is Risen Bible reading plan. Um, It's on the uh, website and on our Facebook page. Um, and uh, I've printed it out and been going through every day. It's a great discipline and uh, a great invitation to look forward to Resurrection Sunday. And There was a reading a few years ago that instantly came to mind as I was exploring this avenue of thought, and it says this in Isaiah 53 in the Message Translation. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The parallels to the Ethiopian are incredible there, aren't they? Um, and the servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby par plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him. And the Isaiah, the prophets talking about Jesus. Nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who has suffered. He knew pain first hand. Is that what salvation looks like? To God it is one look at him and people turned away we looked down on him thought he was scum but the fact is it was our pains he carried our disfigurements all the things wrong with us we thought he'd brought it on himself that God was punishing him for his own failures but it was our sins that did that to him that ripped and tore and crushed him our sins he took the punishment and that made us whole through his bruises we get healed We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've done all our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. On him. It's an incredible depiction of Jesus many years before he set foot on the earth. COVID-19 is simply another sign that God's good creation continues to suffer from the consequences of sin. It's not unusual. There have been plagues, famines and wars for time immemorial. COVID-19 fits firmly um, into that. We may think in our 21st century Western culture that we should be insulated but we're not and again hardship comes. But this is just the uh, normal, unsatisfactory, present tense of a creation that continues to be ravaged by something that is not of God. Many scoff at the idea of God because of the problem of evil and ask why he doesn't stop it. The answer is that God has already decisively acted to conquer evil. The antidote has already been prescribed the solution has already been put in place and his solution doesn't look like one we expect it didn't with jeremiah and it doesn't with jesus god's salvation is so very ethiopian in kind rather than a large divine hand coming to sweep away the intolerable coming to relieve our pain or coming to inoculate us against disease god the son himself came and trod the earth and he died to take away the eternal consequences of sin he took it from those that would believe that would surrender their lives to this new lord to this savior to this one who lived so beautifully and died so wretchedly but rose so victoriously others struggled to understand how a global pandemic fits into their worldview. are we just animals living out our days with no hope for a future is there a God in charge that this is out of control for but we know exactly how to process this grief because Christians have been doing so for 2,000 years and believers in God have been doing it before then it is just another enemy that Christ has conquered on that cross and his resurrection announced and continues to announce that the time of these sort of things are only limited on earth they don't look expand into the future indefinitely but they have a point at which they will end and the good creation will be relieved that has been groaning for since man and woman fell Whatever happens to us individually and collectively under this new physical threat, we should always be pointed again and again in our spirits to the God who rescues. For you see, the Trinity worked before any of us took our first breath to deal decisively and conclusively with anything that could harm us. Resurrection Sunday uh, looms in April. And it should be a promise to us that this COVID-19 or whatever hardship we're going through is not our internal inheritance. It should be no surprise to any of us that many of the believers in the first century also prolonged incarceration. It wasn't uh, due mostly to... Um, disease but due to um, sort of unfriendly government and local despots. Uh, John the Baptist he knew imprisonment, Uh, the apostle Peter we're told in Acts was imprisoned and Jesus's best mate John was uh, interned on the Isle of Patmos. However time and time again we find that this uh, confinement doesn't prevent them from participating in the epic story of God's coming kingdom on earth. It doesn't kind of uh, put them on the timeout bench or the substitutes bench where they, where they cannot interact. We find that John the Baptist, even in prison, points to people uh, that Jesus is the Messiah. Peter, he gets uh, miraculously rescued and, and John, we're told, has these incredible mysterious revelations which um, is recorded for us in the last book of the bible And, and so scripture seems to suggest that having our freedom limited is no excuse for inactivity lazy slovenly spirituality or or just uh resolute selfishness now for some of us who are working from home or, or trying to get to grips with so- homeschooling, life can actually seem busier than ever. There's no clear cutoff mark between uh, our sort of leisure time and time we're supposed to uh, be doing stuff and feel guilty if we don't. Under these conditions, um, it's our responsibility to be even more deliberate about our daily de- devotions, otherwise sort of work activity can bleed into the rest of our lives. And and there is also a responsibility if we're feeling more uh, busier than ever to connect with others digitally, not to allow ourselves to be isolated. We also have a responsibility to sort of check and look out for others. There's the uh, famous question, isn't there, am I my brother's keeper and the question Uh, goes throughout scripture and its answer is always yes. Yes, we are our brother's keeper. So that's with those that may feel manic under these conditions. Um, But for those without these new preoccupations, these new ways of working, I'd like to think that the words of Paul might be particularly helpful. And and he says this in the message translation of Ephesians chapter 4. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, quick at mending fences. You are called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over and works through all and is present in all, everything you are and think. And do is permeated with oneness and if you heard right at the beginning of that the Paul is locked up in prison he's locked up because of his faith because his confession of Jesus because of his refusal to keep quiet about that salvation that comes through Jesus and he inevitably had his grim moments and moments where he was isolated and cut off from his Christian uh, brothers and sisters where his mission to preach the gospel seems to have been frustrated and it's easy to imagine him perhaps reciting some of Jeremiah's lamentations as a, um, as a biblical scholar, he probably knew many off by heart and in those places as he laments it is easy to find a figure that cuts forlornly but... Like Jeremiah, he too knows a sovereign God. And so he works amidst the situation he finds himself. He doesn't imagine that somehow that is a dead end. That somehow God's plan has been eroded and he is just left in no man's land. I wonder that all that tent making he got up to. It's probably decayed. And all the churches he founded have probably dispersed. All this physical hard work that he got up to, that he prayed for, that he invested so much importance in. I imagine most of it is now gone to the winds. But the words that he writes in a prison that he would have longed to have escaped. The words that were inspired and used by God. These have helped Christians for two thousand years. I wonder if that was the legacy Paul expected to have. It's as if that Ethiopian factor has cropped up again, that what he expected to happen doesn't, but something better and more beautiful is in its place. Friends, we are cooped up. There is no mistaking that, but in these places, let us try and continue to serve in ways perhaps that we never would have thought of or guessed would have been productive. I am thrilled that a few of our lads that are home during the day have helped the local school deliver free school meals. That is a beautiful and incredible thing that we have been asked uh, to help deliver food to the vulnerable. If that is not a purpose of church, I don't know what is. I'm also glad and that many of you have worked hard at reaching out to one another in a variety of ways. You know you haven't let this isolation isolate you. You've tried and worked hard to be connected and give out encouragement and so I know sort of the telephone and WhatsApp and texts and Facebook have all been engaged to try and reach out to one another and make sure that no one is is left behind. And this is an amazing thing. Um, Having to work, I've I've felt really sad that I have been able to do what perhaps other pastors have been able to do. But I've been enormously reassured that the rest of you have taken up the slack in this. I suspect that particularly the telephone calls that are happening in our fellowship are some of the very best and most helpful things going on right now. There's all sorts of expensive media ventures being launched by all sorts of churches, but I think those simple one-to-one connections where one person says to another, you are important to me, I'm wondering whether that is the enduring legacy of this moment. Let me remind you. As a little advert that we continue to have our Zoom community chats every Tuesday and Zoom prayer meetings on Wednesday. All the details are on the website to log in and and, uh, both events had people connect uh, last week. And just encourage you to uh, give it the opportunity. It does feel weird. There are people that try to turn their mics off, that try to turn their video off. But it was good to feel that other people thought our gathering was important. And it doesn't just help us, but it helps other people as well. Finally, I don't want us just to hear that Paul was in prison and that we should need to uh, man up or cope. But I want us to hear his actual words to the people that weren't in prison. We needn't look to just exist at this time, to just get through another uh, box set on the TV. But we can continue to express love to one another. We can continue to work out our salvations in fear and trembling, to enjoy the oneness that Paul speaks about. Hopefully it goes without saying that we should take care of ourselves. We need to attend that we are sleeping well. We need to be careful of our diets and take exercise where possible. You know, we, we can't let these things slip just because our normal routine has been interrupted. But we should also seek to serve the others around us. We should serve each other so that we end up learning what humility and discipline is like. I wonder, as you look at the way you reach out, as you look at the way you serve, whether you are learning humility and discipline, because these are natural byproducts and features of a servant heart now I'm not in your exact situation so I'm not going to presume what this humility and discipline and service looks like but I hope and pray that all of us reflect on our circumstances and seek for ways that we can draw nearer to God that we can hear his plan and purposes and his voice in our lives and that perhaps more than ever as people are in distress that we can bless and encourage and help those around us. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are sovereign and over all. We thank you that our Physical circumstances don't necessarily determine what you can do for us and Lord God we uh, Take in Jeremiah and Paul and their uh, Imprisonment and we learn from that Heavenly Father. I pray that we would be good at calling out to you uh, when we're in distress and, and Recognizing that you are sovereign and Heavenly Father. I also pray that um, That we would take on Paul's call to active service. That as we look after ourselves, we would pay the same attention to those around us. And that we would learn these necessary skills and attributes of humility and discipline. Lord God, I pray that there be many around us that are thankful for us for the way that we've been able to help. And Heavenly Father, we just pray that this season of internment would come to an end soon and that we would be able to come back together and meet. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen.